0: Mr. Zettelmeier, how deep do you think that uh, the European economies are going to be affected by the energy crisis? And I don't mean only the economies and also the people, the people of the European Union are going to be affected by all that.
1: So, you know, very very deeply, uh, but this is already something that is happening. No, So, there has been a, a very big effect uh, on... Uh, living standards of, of some households, um, some industrial sectors are being squeezed, and of course it has had a big impact on inflation, and through inflation on the policies of the European Central Bank that have been now tightening um, interest rates, raising interest rates much faster than they anticipated only in December, right? So it's it has been Uh, felt uh, very sharply, and it could get worse. And whether it gets worse will depend on three factors. Uh, One is the uh, depth of the winter, whether it will be a a cold winter or a mild winter. Second, the um, developments in Ukraine and the uh, Russian uh, actions, so Russia still supplies about 20% of the total supply that they did supply to Europe last, last year. So we are at this point no longer very dependent on Russia, of course at, at the expense of very high uh, gas prices, but it could still get worse. And then most importantly, it will depend on our own response uh, to to the crisis. And what we have advocated at Bruegel is essentially a cooperative response in which burdens across the European Union are shared as much as possible. So all countries commit to demand reduction but also to raising supply to uh, the extent that they can and to a common uh, position vis-a-vis external suppliers. So negotiating with external suppliers not just about uh, this winter but in the longer term uh, a relationship for uh, providing gas in particular to the European Union.
0: Negotiating as an EU, the same way that they did with the vaccines, you mean?
1: Yes, but in a, in a much more re- um, relationship-focused long-term sense, right? So uh, if you are merely negotiating about supplying uh, gas in the next few months, it is basically a zero sum game, right? So you are you're trying to get the price as low as possible and the other side is going to try to do the opposite. But I think if we take a longer term perspective where we, for example, with respect to Norway, provide a perspective of how much gas we will need and at what terms uh, over a longer term, then this can also guide Investment decisions in in those countries, and that will be very important. So, we have to provide uh, security to them uh, as a reliable customer, and then uh, you know they will uh, give us terms that we can live with.
0: Well, um, do you believe that uh, that Europe should get completely rid of, of getting gas? from Russia in the next decades, I can say, in the next 20 years, so that we will be completely independent from Russia. Guys, oh, if, oh, yes, uh, if they can g- negotiate uh, good deals, and you say long term, with Norwegia or maybe uh, even other countries.
1: No, I, I'm, I mean, we have to get rid of Russian gas dependence much faster than that, no? Uh, so, uh, at this point, we are in, in a crisis, so I would not Um, boycott the remaining 20% of Russian gas, but we we certainly have to uh, get rid of Russian gas by 2024 or something like that, and I'm almost certain it will happen earlier. So uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that they will cut off the rest as well very soon.
0: Uh, Are you afraid that maybe some of the countries or more of the countries will get into depression due to the energy crisis? Is that a a fear that is a lively fear? Or it's you don't see that coming. You don't predict something so bad.
1: So, so depression is a big is a big word. I think what we are expecting, and I think most forecasters are expecting at this point, is negative growth in the EU as a whole in two thousand and twenty three. So there will be a recession, but it will not be equally distributed. Um, it will affect countries more that are more sensitive uh, to high energy prices, so the in energy intensive uh, industries will be affected more, certainly Germany will go into a significant uh, recession and then you know the depth of it will depend on how well we work together.
0: Do you believe that the war in Ukraine has made EU work better together? And is that something that we can expect to last even after the war? Or EU works well only in big crisis?
1: So um, it has definitely made the EU work better together so far. Uh, we are unfortunately seeing the first signs of EU cohesion uh, falling apart, uh, but you know, it's too early to say how this will go. I think that the need to work together is so existential uh, before the winter that it will hold, but there is a big risk. So essentially the risk is that if individual countries are viewed as not pulling their weight, particularly on reducing gas consumption, then at some point, you know, another country will say, look, their consumption is eating our gas or raising prices for everyone. And then there will be an attempt to shut down internal markets in the EU and keep the the gas inside national borders. In the same way in which uh, during the um, global financial and and Euro area crisis, some countries try to keep uh, liquidity, essentially bank funding inside the national borders. And so that is the the worst possible uh, situation that will sort of destroy both political unity and make the crisis uh, worse. If we manage to get through the winter without that, then I do think that this um, cooperation can last not just in this crisis, but in the longer term, because we would have, in a sense, rehearsed modalities of cooperation uh, that can deepen the energy uh, union, right? We would have put national interests um, in perspective. We would have put European interests first. and so that that really can have a lasting effect, I think.
0: Do you still believe that the war will end in a logical time or do you believe that it will last <laughs> uh, for more years? I mean, uh, um is it russia's fault is it only vladimir putin and maybe if, if he isn't in power the war will end do you see in the foreseeable future an end to the war
1: so um i don't so i'm not i'm not an expert in in this area i don't think this is just a putin problem i think this is a problem of the russian elites and behind the russian elites i think there is you know a population that acquiesces and it is really too difficult uh, to to say where this will end but i think a lot of it will depend on two things or three things first obviously the success of the ukrainian military with with our support uh, second whether it is possible to deter uh, putin from escalating uh, to a point where this would become a military conflict that draws in NATO, essentially. And of course, there is a moment where that could be the case. And then third, you know, essentially developments in in Russia, right? So I think it is possible to conceive of a situation where the costs of continuing this war effort, on the one hand, are, are so high that it does not make domestic political sense anymore for uh, putin uh, whereas on the other hand escalation uh, really risks annihilation and so the if you like the opportunity uh, to to end the war perhaps not with in a formal way but in an informal way is whether we can find a path where the russian leaders are caught between these two threats and at that point in essence, giving up in some way or another other is the uh, path of of least resistance, but. Again, I'm not uh, an expert in, in this area.
0: Well, in my last question, we had the financial crisis in two thousand eight, Lehman Brothers. Mm. Um, then we had the pandemic. Now we have the war. Yes. Um, do you see the circle going back and back, and that we can have also a booming time again, like we had in <laughs> <laughs> uh, in uh, after nineteen ninety five and two thousand, when there was the wow. eurozone and everything seems that uh, was going so okay for everyone yeah uh, or can we wait for more years of hardship uh, <laughs> before the next generation can hope uh, <laughs> for a better situation
1: look there, there's always an upside right the the upside is one where we uh, manage to preserve globalization, uh, so the world does not split up into halves. We do it a bit differently. We do it in a more resilient way. The European Union comes out strengthened from this crisis, which is very well uh, possible. And we uh, manage to avoid a retreat of the United States into isolation. So in that kind of Uh, world we have the framework for new prosperity and and the reason why we have this framework is because there is still a big part of the world which is not significantly participating in prosperity right so the uh, if you like the 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 boom of the 2000s was driven by two factors one was the creation of the euro and of course this had you know a a great positive effect on many countries by lowering um, interest rates, um, by giving them credibility. Unfortunately, we did not see the dark side. uh, And so we went into excesses, uh, credit creation and and uh, government deficits and overshot. And then we were punished uh, through the euro crisis. But there was this sort of significant institutional advancement. That sort of thing is more difficult to envisage in the future, but it's not impossible. So if we had a success, for example, on fiscal union, that could really um, sweep away many of the obstacles in the single market. It's just politically even more difficult than than the creation of the union. But there is sort of a, a big price out there, which is essentially a much better working single market, but that requires um, uh, I think, significantly aligning tax systems, very significantly making fiscal decisions together, right? So if that that were to happen, it would be sort of, in a sense, comparable as a boost uh, to the creation of, of the euro, again with risks that then have to be managed. Uh, Then the other big uh, factor behind the boom of the 2000s was essentially the rise of China, right, as a as a source of external demand uh, for many countries, but particularly for us. So that is is gone. I think you know the huge growth phase is gone, but there are plenty of other countries in Asia, and you know hopefully in Africa that that could uh, come on stream so the uh, I guess the answer is yes <laughs> in principle <laughs> I could see sort of golden times come back but there's an awful lot of stuff that has to come together
0: thank you thank you very much Mr thank
1: you Great. thank you.